0: I am Brad Levitt, host and founder of A Finer Touch Construction, and we are super excited to bring this amazing guest list to you of people that specialize in business, marketing, social media, entrepreneurship, and most of all, how to build a great company. AFT Construction is a local commercial and residential general contractor located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we are continuously seeking ways to bring value to our industry, clients, and network. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. So today on episode 47 of the podcast, we welcome Clark Miyazaki. And Clark is the Chief Growth Officer of Stance Socks, located in San Clemente, California. And Clark has an amazing story. He has a tremendous background in startup companies. You know, he's worked uh, for software companies that sold to Hewlett Packard. He also worked for Candy. You know, a few episodes ago, we had Jeremy Andrus, the CEO of Traeger. And both Jeremy and Clark worked together at Candy and had tremendous experience there. Clark's role was different you know when he was at skull candy he talks about how to break down those doors and those barriers, how he would go and to different venues and arenas and, and, and to meet some of these musicians and artists and how he got in and broke uh, into that market and and then how he continued that through stance you know building those relationships now with a lot of the pro athletes that he works with and so he really dove into a couple things. One that I really like that we're going to start out with he, he talks about that his favorite statement is uh, treat every relationship like it's your big break so we go in depth about that what does that mean and why are these relationships important how do you build good relationships we dove into company culture why that's important he also talked about stan stocks how it was created you know the origins there and clark just has tre- tremendous business document tremendous uh relationship advice for all of you listening about how to cultivate that and be yourself and, and one of the things i really like that he talked about he talked about edification and gratitude and how important that is in today's day and age most of us are busy with our companies and firms and and that simple thank you and edification goes a long way and how you can implement that in your company so you'll definitely enjoy this episode big thanks to clark for coming on so of course a big thanks to our sponsor sub zero group southwest and if you're starting a new kitchen project the sub zero wolf and co showroom is the place to start it provides an immersive environment to help you realize the possibilities of your future kitchen. Discover what it may feel like, look like, taste like, all in an exploratory, no pressure showroom. No matter who you are, consumer, owner, or member of the trade community, the showroom is the great place to start to assist you throughout your entire project. I visit the Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom in North Scotso quite often, in fact, it's just here around the corner from my office. It's the perfect place to meet with my clients and the designer on the project. When we arrive, we meet with a showroom consultant whose sole focus is catering the visit to our needs. They seek to understand what products may be best suited for the client, and then explain and demonstrate special features and functionality. We can browse the complete line of Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove appliances, and then view them in beautifully designed vignettes, helping my clients envision how the appliance might look like in their homes. And the best part is that consumers can interact with the products, turn the knobs, open the drawers, and ignite the flames, discovering the best fit for them. With the help of the showroom consultant, each visit is truly unique to the client. The relationship with the showroom does not end with the appliance selection process. Throughout the entire project, the showroom team is there to provide helpful solutions and offer advice and assistance. After appliances are installed, owners can expect a lifetime of support and helpful resources. The Sub-Zero Wolf & Co. showroom is the place to start, experience, and bring your vision to life. Schedule an appointment at your nearest showroom by visiting www.subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast today, and we are very fortunate to have with us Clark Miyazaki, who is the Chief Growth Officer with Stance Socks. So welcome, Clark.
1: Thank you for having me, Brad. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, it's you know it's we'll, we'll touch on this. I was able to visit uh, your location there in San Clemente, the Stance headquarters, which is an amazing place, great culture, and I know we're going to dive into that, but. I've been a fan of yours, and and there were a lot of things you said at that meeting when when I visited you out there with with a group or out there with a youth group, you know, and you took them around. And one of the statements you've made oftentimes and some of the things I've seen you speak is treat every relationship like your big break. And I've never heard anyone say that. It really stuck out to me. So talk to us about that, what that means and how that's been an influence in your career.
1: I think I said that I was uh, speaking at, I think, a Qualtrics Summit or something like that. And there's a Q and a after her and they're like, Hey, what do you attribute your, su- your success to? I'm like, well, I wish I was really successful, but you know, I'd say luck. And he's like, well, that's, that's a bad answer. You know, what <laughs> is it really? And, and, you know, I didn't know when my big, big break would happen, quote unquote, but it really happened as an internship at BYU with three com. is during the dot com boom. And Jeff curl was the founder of that startup. And, um, we just became really close, really over foosball. Like we start playing there's a foosball table, and uh, we started we played a lot, talked a lot, of trash. Then we played basketball together. And Stance is our fifth time working together. And who knew at that time that you know that would be the relationship that would kind of carry me along through my career. And um, so I look back, and that's kind of the advice that I give to young people: is you don't know when it's going to come; it could come anytime. So work your butt off like it's happening right now. And then really business is only relationships. Like everything that you accomplish in business happens because of relationships. So um, why not just treat everyone the right way and it'll all come back to you. And one time, sometime in your career, that relationship is going to be the one that kind of changes the trajectory. And, uh, you know, I I saw that in my career. So that's kind of where that came from.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because I remember in high school, so I ran track in high school and I remember my coach, I remember him pulling me aside. I think I was like a junior and he said, Hey Brad, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. And most of us have heard that said. And I remember that stuck with me in high school all the way throughout my career. But I think the way you say it is, is even more important. It's not about who you know, but what you said, treat every relationship like it's your big break. So there's the relationship part of it is genuine, right? As you as you make these friendships and hey, you, you made yours over foosball, right? And yeah. you know, but it's that camaraderie. So, you know, you have a lot of experience working with a lot of influencers and celebrities and athletes, but also just with the day-to-day, you know, us who are out working and people in your company, you know, what are some key attributes you found to kind of build that rapport and build that relationship with others?
1: Oh, I think, you know, the one word that always sticks out to me is authenticity um you can kind of feel when people aren't being authentic and um uh you know i i didn't know what i was doing as i was meeting some of these celebrities or nba players or rappers whoever it might be and um i think if i would have tried to be somebody else tried to transform who i was then i don't think they would have worked out as well as they have um, because every everybody knows kind of who i am what i stand for i'm like a you know, from a small farming community in Sugar City, Idaho, <laughs> Population, a thousand people, and that's who I am, and that's what's going to come through. And so, I think, um, you know, it, it's kind of for sure cliche, like, oh, just be who you are. Um, and but who I am, I'm dude, I'm an easygoing guy, I don't stress, I'm nice to other people. Um, and so, I just think people see that and like, okay, I can, I can trust this guy. Um, and it's because I come across as authentic because I am authentic. I mean, what you see is what you get and I don't try to be somebody who I'm not.
0: And I'm, and I'm sure, especially in the athlete scene, the fact that you're a good golfer probably helps too, that you can maybe <laughs> <laughs> beat on them a little bit on the golf course, you know?
1: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but yeah, everything good happens on the golf course. If you can get somebody on the golf course, Get me a deal to close on the golf course, and I'll close it. That's the that's the place to close deals for sure.
0: Well, that's amazing. I mean, you look at over your career, right? You've been at you know these startups, and you've worked with a lot of. In fact, you know, I had we 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 mentioned this year a good friend of Jeremy Andrews who was on, who's the CEO of Traeger, right? And and so you've yeah. crossed paths when you're at school. Can you've been through these different companies? Um, like what what made that transition? Where you see Stance, okay, what 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 triggered that for you to think? I think there's something here. I think I really want to join this venture.
1: Yeah, Jeff tried to get me on with stance actually right from the start. Um, but I had gone through LogoWorks, which we sold to HP and ground floor of that startup. And then Skull Candy, which was I think that first year at Skull Candy, I spent like 110 nights in a hotel room. It was it was just so intense. I mean, I don't know how many hours, 80, 100 hours a week or whatever you want to put at it. And so when Jeff was starting stance, he's like, let's go. And I told him like, dude, I cannot do another start. My kids aren't going to know who I am if I do another like ground floor startup. And so um, I I didn't do it as an advisor to the company, part of the you know first one of the first investors in the company. And then I kind of saw it start to take off. And probably I think it was maybe two years in when Jeff's like, Clark, (laughs) you're going to miss out on like the most fun ride. And it's all happening. And we need you to come in and kind of take it to that next level. And so I think it's just one of those things where opportunity meets skill set. They were, they had a staff for what they were going to be. And then my skill set of, you know, getting partnerships and adding some marketing power um, really fit well. And um, so we moved the family from Utah down to San Clemente and and gave Stance a shot. Um, Geez, that was six years ago now.
0: That's amazing, and that that's a big change, too. But what I like that you said, it's one thing that I, one of my mantras, I guess you know that someone taught me one of my mentors, he said, "Chase experience, not money." And you think about your experience at at uh, school candy, right? That here you are you're you're grinding like I'm sure you weren't paid this huge fee to come on board, right at the very beginning. Yeah. but but you're putting in that time, you're chasing the experience, and then you're learning how to cultivate those relationships. and And so how did that i I guess how did that experience? Continue to grow at Skull Candy that now you've leveraged a stance with just your ability to make relationships outside of your network, you know, with A list influencers, you know, help build those brands.
1: Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I think, I think you just gained a little bit of confidence at Skull Candy. Um, when I started to try to go get those relationships to try to do these deals, man, it was hard and uh, we were actually building a house in lehigh and skull candy was up in park city when i took the skull candy job and my wife was like hey should we get out of this we can get out for i don't know three thousand dollar deposit and i'm like no way i give this a ten percent chance of working because i don't know what i'm doing i have like no idea what i'm doing and she's like okay we'll keep going um and uh, you know i'm driving security guards with headphones to get back to talk to managers and Vegas clubs. I mean, not not things that I ever dreamed of doing. <laughs> I don't know, and uh, but then you know you do a bunch of deals, and um, that experience it just it just grows on each other, and you gain more confidence. And then pretty soon, Skullcandy got big enough that people were calling me, and then by the time Stance came knocking, I mean, there's I don't I don't know. I'm sure there's some people I can't get to within one phone call or two phone calls but i can get to about anybody and so i think it's just taking your experiences and um trying to build on them as much as you can um and you know just just applying those same principles and even if you don't know them working as hard as you can and fake it till you
0: if, fake <laughs> if, it till you make you it you know
1: if you say fake it till you make it and go from there so, well, it's, uh, you know, it was a lot easier to say yes to Stance because I knew what I was doing and I knew exactly what I was getting into.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because, uh, y- you know, I think most people, especially in the social media world, you know, we look at someone like you, Clark, and you're like, oh, you know, he has this great, uh, you know, position. He's with Stan Sox and he's, you know, hanging out with NBA players and playing golf and he has this great network. But what they don't realize is like most of us, you know, all the hours and all the years behind the scenes as you're cultivating and learning and figuring out how do I break down this door? How do I get you know, an interview, how do I get here? And it's that hard work. It's that persistence. And that's the one thing that I think a lot of us, we want a shortcut, but in the reality, there is no shortcut. There's life experience. There's
1: absolutely.
0: And, and so talk to, I mean, when did you feel like that break when here you are from Idaho, you know, grew up in a small town, you know, baseball player an athlete, but you know, you're getting into the real world and now you're trying to go to the nightclub and try to meet some of these (laughs) musicians. Like, like, when did you feel like you kind of turned that corner at least at Skull Candy to start?
1: Oh, probably like 12 to 18 months at Skull Candy. I'd probably done three or four deals. Um, and I don't know if there was like a aha moment. One of the best deals we did at Skull Candy was with, the, with Snoop. And um, I got along great with Snoop. He loves sports, he's super easygoing, he jokes around a lot. Um, I went to so many Snoop shows that I could say what he was going to say in between songs to the audience because I went to so many Snoop shows. And he was he was amazing for the brand. He did so much for Candy and put us on the map in so many ways. And, you know, he put headphones on Larry King when Larry King Live was a huge show on CNN, did the same thing on Conan. And um, when I started to see some of the fruits of my labor and all those deals that, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but they started to work. And I was like, oh, OK, you, you know, I'm, I, I got this. And um, then you call with a little more confidence and they're just easier to do because you have this evidence of it working. Um, and I think that's really what a career is, is you give it a shot, try your hardest, work as hard as you can and uh, see a little evidence of what's working and then just build on that. Build on it as much as you can.
0: Well, it's interesting you said that. I mean, just speaking of the influencer side, you see a lot of companies, even outside of your market, right? I see, you know, designers and I see product lines and, you know, manufacturers yeah. and, of course, contractors, you know, different ways to leverage your network. And, you know, those influencers can be really key to the brand, right? And and there's some sensitivity there, how to utilize them and, and, and the value there. And, you know, how do you integrate that with the creativity? Because I remember when we came out to your um, uh there to Stan's headquarters, you're talking about, you know, Dwayne Wade and how you were kind of designing your first sock, and he came with his very oh, eccentric yeah. sock, right? And so, how do you, you know, control? I don't want to say control, but you know, create that partnership with the influencer to give them that creativity, but still keep within, you know, have faith that it's going to be successful.
1: Well, the, the best thing to do is to pick the right guys up front. So with Dwayne, you know, multiple best dressed awards by GQ for for NBA player. And um, he had he has this amazing style and his um, creative director, Callie Ann Barnett, uh, is right there with him. And she was always with us. So they sent over their first line and Callie Ann and Dwayne actually designed it. And I'll never forget the sock. It was a checkerboard print up top and then like a surf beach scene in the middle. And then um, like a cheetah print on the bottom. Maybe the cheetah print was up top, but it, it was awful. It was just terrible. <laughs> and there are some other designs that were a little outside of what Stance would probably do, but I told those guys at Mike, told Callie I and mean, Dwayne, like, hey, we're good with all the line. I cannot let this sock go through. And they, they like literally put their foot down. They're like, no, trust us. Like, this is why you have us. You have us to bring a different design, different point of view. And of course, two weeks into launching the sock, it's number one. And so I just learned to trust them. Um, and honestly, it we, the creative differences don't come up that often. I, I could maybe think of three to four over my whole career where we haven't been able to figure out, like, um, come to, come to a solution. Um, and I think that's the, the best thing is just pick the right people to work with and you just got to learn to trust, trust the process on what they're doing. Um, but you know, I, I think that's. It also comes back to what we first talked about. It's just the relationship and having trust in them, and them having trust in you on to do what the, do what the right thing is. And then also for me, just to know that hey, you're going to be wrong a lot, and that's okay. And um, other people know than know more than you, and just let them do their thing.
0: So when you think about that, I mean, you talked about trust and. The relationship, right, which is important, you know, in, in, in business, how you've grown your business and your networking with influencers, you know, but looking at it as a business owner. So here you are, you know, and you're you're developing a culture, right? And you've fortunately had experience, Clark, working for a lot of different companies, all different avenues. You know, what have you found that makes good culture, you know, with the team that you're working with?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think culture is probably maybe one of the most underrated aspects of a business. Um, and it just makes or breaks companies more than people think. And Stan's took it really serious early on um, with the uh, five co-founders. And uh, you know, I've heard Jeff talk about this in the past that like you have a founder, and even your first hire that takes a little bit of the culture away from what you think, and then your second hire just keeps going. So if you don't hire people and bring in people that fit the culture. Eventually, it'll just get diluted and lost. And so Stance implemented a procedure early on that you would have, let's say you're hiring a graphic designer. So the graphic designer would go through the typical interview process. And then once the manager wanted to hire that person, they have to also go through a culture interview. So there's a few people at Stance that are able to do these culture interviews. And when I do them, I don't have a resume. I don't even know what position necessarily they're applying for. And it's strictly my only filter is would they fit in the stance culture. So you're talking about hobbies and you know what movies they like. I don't know what whatever it might be. What what things make them happy? What's, what what do they do in their off time? And um, and just get a feel for hey, is this? It's really kind of a test of is this someone I'd want to hang out with? And um, if if they pass that, then great. That's kind of the final um, piece that has to happen before anybody's hired. And I just think everyone's got to realize culture makes your brand. When people come to Stance, and you probably felt it too, when you walked into Stance and saw the office and saw the people, you're like, oh, this is Stance. Like the product that I see sitting here on a peg, it's just a reflection of the people that are you know sitting here. And it's a really hard thing to do, super underrated, but um, also important.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you said that because it is true. When we visit, when we went to visit Stance, I mean, you see that, that everything I knew about Stance and the product. I mean, I have my own Stance socks that I'd wear all the time. And, you know, you go in and when you meet the people there, it's an exact reflection of what you're selling, you're branding. And I, I've seen that. I've seen that at architecture firms. I've seen that at design firms. I've seen that at other small businesses outside of our market where. You know, who, what they're portraying in their branding and marketing is exactly the people behind the scenes. And and that's really important. And, I, you know, one thing I think I saw in an interview you had talked about that with Stance, even, you know, your their experience is important. So they're going to have an interview, you know, based on experience, which is really important for the position. Yeah. But then there's a culture one, which you kind of alluded to, to, to make sure that there's a fit there.
1: Yep, absolutely. It's a whole separate interview. Don't even talk about position. Don't talk about skill sets. Don't don't say well, resume, and it's just as important as the skill set side.
0: Yeah, and and but there's a fine line there because I think one of the challenges that most companies have, and I look at it, you know, just me as a personality or other business owners, when you think most of us tend to micromanage a little bit. I mean, any owner has some tendency to micromanage, and it's hard to kind of let the reins because it's your baby. You have the vision, you have the culture, yeah. as you mentioned, and every time you get a step away, it it's gonna you know dilute that a little bit. And so how do you create a culture where there's that freedom of accountability, where people can, you know, have the work-life balance, still perform? How do you hire, you know, how do you kind of identify that in the hiring process and then, of course, implement that yeah. in the culture?
1: And that's that's actually one of the main things we talk about in our culture interview. Um, the two guiding principles of stance are freedom and accountability. So, um, you know, we're not clock watchers at stance. No one's tracking when cars pull into the parking lot and leave well there's no cars pulling in any parking lots now, so. <laughs> i know so there's total, total freedom but also you know we don't we don't ever want to be a company where it's like Ugh, i don't know if i want to go to my kids performance at one o'clock because what's my boss gonna think i mean you have the freedom to go do that um and uh i for sure over the last six years have i seen people take advantage of that absolutely and um it, that's something you got to watch out for but the vast majority um, on the accountability side, it's just not only accountable to yourself, your boss, but also to your teammates. Like, you know, I, I grew up playing sports, still try to play sports, even though I have terrible knees and don't play them well anymore. Um, but just kind of this team culture of like, not only do I want want to let me myself down, like, I don't want to let you down. I see what you're doing. And and it just breeds on itself that um, this accountability piece, and I think it just comes down to hiring the right people, a but enforcing where you need to, um, uh, trimming if there if there is somebody that's you know too far on the freedom side. But I just love the concept that um, Jeff came up with in the early days of freedom and accountability, and I think it's just encapsulates what what the best culture. If you can build that where you can give your, your employees the freedom to, you know, work when they need to, obviously within some, some guidelines, but they just feel this accountability to get their job done. I mean, that's probably, um, euphoria there if you can get to that point.
0: Yeah. It's much easier said than done for sure. And there's, there's a yeah. fine line, you know, there's the balance between, you know, given that, that freedom, making them accountable and there's also a balance in leadership, you know, when you're trying to understand, you know, the discipline and the praise, you know, how, you know, so with, with the team that you're working around Clark and everything that you're doing, you know, how do you balance that end of it too? That's, you know, when should I praise them? When should I, um, come down on them a little bit if they're not performing or they're not hitting this deadline? Yeah. you know, how do you balance that?
1: Man, I'm probably the wrong person to ask on that. <laughs> um, I, I'm probably bad, equally bad at both of those. Um, and just because... I am not a person that needs praise. And so it, for me, it's, it's a job to remember. And I've had people on my team in the past um, that I just almost have to put in my calendar like, okay, remember, this person needs some love. And I have other guys that are kind of built, wired like me um, that don't need it. And so I think it's more just one of the hardest characteristics, I think, and one of the most admirable characteristics of anybody is empathy. And if you can build empathy to see what other people need, like, I, A, I very rarely have to discipline, and I'm not very good at it. Like, ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> not, like, uh, it's, not, it's not my strong suit. And B, I'm, I'm just so, like, easygoing that and I, I don't need the praise. Um, that i I just forget to do it and so uh, I don't know I'm the wrong guy to ask on that I need to do a way better job on the on the praise and just get it in there um, because it it just because i don't I don't need it that much I don't feel like other people need it but there definitely are so I just think try to build your empathy and see what people need and play to that
0: so Clark, it's interesting though. I mean you mentioned that because I think discipline is hard for a lot of people. I mean, it just is. It's uncomfortable, right? And those uncomfortable circumstances as a manager, owner, you know, but getting into the gratitude part, I know that's something that you have said, you know, is really important. And you, and you learn that at a young age, you know, working, you know, when your company sold to Hewlett Packard and tell us that story, how, how that gratitude, you know, working back then and some little bonuses that happen after the fact, <laughs> after the sale and how that yeah. changed kind of your perspective of, of that.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. Unexpected gratitude is is probably one of the best things. And um, I'll give two examples. One, Stance has a rule that you have to send one thank you note a week, um, whether it's to a partner or to business associate, you know, someone that works with you, or to your mom, whoever it might be. But you're supposed to send one thank you note a week, and they have little Stance letterhead everywhere so that you know you can be encouraged doing that. And um, but the one. I can't remember where I told the story, but Morgan Lynch was the founder of Logoworks. And um, it was, it was a ton of hard work, a lot of, a lot of nights away from your family. And we sold to HP, which is what you do that for. You know, you put in all this work and uh, we had a good exit and we were all stoked. And probably like three or four weeks after sell, sale, um, Morgan's like, Hey, can you come to my office? I'm like, yeah, I can come to your office. And his office at that point was kind of off, off the um, campus. So, I don't know, it's a little weird to come to his office. And he, uh, he's like, how's it going? And you could tell he like, had something hidden and he gets a smile. He's like, hey, I just wanted to like, thank you. I know your contributions exceeded um, probably what you got paid for in that exit. And he, he slides over a check that was, that was really meaningful for me back then. And I just remember he didn't have to do it. Um, I, I don't even know what made him think, think about that. Um, but it, it just stuck with me forever. I'm like, man, what a, what an incredible gesture by him, um, to, to do that after the fact. And, um, I'll, I don't know, it's always kind of my, my best example of gratitude on this
0: unexpected gratitude
1: of doing things when people don't expect them. That's, it just, just really shows who a person is. And I think when they do that.
0: Well, I think this ties into everything you've been saying about culture too, Clark. I mean you look at what stance has done and you talked about a thank you note a week and that unexpected gratitude. And it's interesting I've seen where, you know, other companies, you know, they, they may have trade partners or suppliers that they work with and someone going above and beyond, they may give them a little gift card. And it may not be something huge, but just these little things that they're giving them or at least recognizing them. And and it goes a long way because now you have an ally, right? Someone that's gonna go to battle for you just because you're recognizing. I mean, all of us in yeah. any line of business, you know, we're fighting that good fight and it can be long days. It can be strenuous days, you know, trying to hit deadlines and everything else. But when someone takes the time out of their day to recognize your efforts, you know, there's something there that really builds that emotion. And, and how have you seen just that? Thank you. note a day. I've never heard of a company doing that. I think that's a phenomenal. Thank day. you. A, a week. Thank you. Not a week. Or, oh, or okay. a week. I mean, week. I, I said a day, but a week. But, you know, <laughs> a thank you a week. I mean, how have you seen just that, just that philosophy, you know, help the mindset there at the company
1: yeah it's great i think when when you do that i think people just appreciate it and whether it's a written note um one thing i i, I like to do, like sometimes it's just random thought like man this person on my team is crushing it and just a little text i'm like dude i appreciate you so much um and thank you for your effort on this whatever it might be and you can tell how how much that can mean to people, and so we have these amazing devices right at our fingertips that you could just start firing off little things. And um, I think just telling people, in fact, yesterday I left, um, and I just hit somebody with a note like, "Man, you are so good at your job. The company is so lucky to have you." And it's just like, "Dude, I needed that so much. I feel like I'm getting worked right now." And just like those little things, um, if you can integrate those somehow into into your habit, I think it, it goes a long way.
0: I, I love you said it. You know, so simple things of edification. I think this world uh, and and especially our business world could use more edification. And for
1: sure, you know that's
0: something. I you know I always take notes as I'm listening. You know, recording with you know our guests, because I mean, there's so much insight you share Clark, you know, and I, it, it triggers things in our company. How could, how could we have a better culture? And I've noticed when I take the time and there's, you know, some of my team and you edify them, Hey, you know, you're doing this really well and we're successful because of that, you know, and then you always get a text hour later, like how much that meant to them. And it's these little things that yeah. we just don't do enough because we're always pushing and pushing and pushing, but sometimes we need to stay back and say, you know, step back and say, thank you for everything they're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So let me ask you this, Clark. I mean, you mentioned this now that, you know, you're in your office, it's empty right now because of COVID, you know, how, how have you pivoted as a brand and company? I mean, you're dealing with manufacturing, you're dealing with uh, shipping, you know, creativity and design and and you have all these elements, you know, how do you quickly navigate to what we're dealing with now?
1: Well, dude, it's been, it's been rough. I mean, I don't think there's, you, no one would be surprised um, that the business has been really tough.
0: And you're in California, yeah, world, which makes the world it even shut more. Down. Time.
1: Yeah, we're in California. But if you just look at the retail landscape for us, you know, almost all of our retailers shut down for almost two months. Opened up, but then sh- kind of shut down again. And now their retail traffic's really low. Um, so we've had to pivot a lot. We're trying to push as much online. Our online, you know, stance.com business has been amazing and it's making up for some of the some of the shortfalls in other areas. But we see it starting to pick up now. Um, you know, we had to make some tough cuts and, um, and do some things to, like, move quick because, you know, you you feel all of a sudden, especially in those early days where we were worried, like, will our warehouse even be able to ship product? Like, what happens if our revenue literally goes to zero? You know, it can go down, but what happens if it goes to zero? And so we acted really fast um, and, like I said, had to make some really tough cuts, but... I think we'll come out of it okay, and when people ask, like, oh, hey, how's Dan's doing? It's like, well, bad, but a lot better than we expected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping bad goes to actually pretty good, um, but it's just going to take some time as the world, you know, gets gets back to normal, and, you know, for me, like, I haven't gone to a mall, in, you know, since COVID happened, and I think most people probably would have that, that same answer, and when... You know a lot of your business comes from those stores in the mall it's it's tough and we've, we've pivoted all over the place from who handles different responsibilities where we're spending our marketing dollars um how we've had to streamline the product line and the design process and work with our suppliers i mean i would say so much has changed it'd be hard to go through it all but um the lesson here would be act fast and uh we played you know pretty conservative on the forecast and change things due to that. And now um, I think we're going to come out of this. Okay.
0: I love that. You know, this it, it, kind of ties into something you've spoken about a lot. You've, you've said, you know, that a plus execution and B plus strategy is better than time delays. Right. With the a plus strategy. And you think of how quickly you have to pivot in COVID. You didn't really have a chance to take a breath, you know, even though you, you may be conservative as a company and you've prepared in certain ways. Something like this, it's really unknown. It's, you know, the first all of us are dealing with this. And yet, you know, that time, you know, making those quick decisions and figuring out how to execute at an A-plus level is better than B B-plus strategy. I mean, it's better than the alternative.
1: Yeah, I think that, that I do say that. I have said that before. Man, you've done some homework, Brad. I'm <laughs> I say that, but I have said that before. And I, I really do. My pet peeve is indecision. Like I could not handle when we talk too much about something because uh, for the most part in business, there's not a clear answer on a lot of things. You grab the data and go with it. I'm not saying like do, do dumb things that are just too fast, but you most of the time we know what we're doing, especially as we get a little further into our careers. And I can analyze about any situation pretty quickly and make a call um, but I hate when we talk about something for way too long and then either the opportunity passes or, um, we missed out on, you know, A, B, or C because we waited too long Dude, make a decision because you don't probably know if it's going to be the right one or not. And then be great at what you do, pick a lane and go. Um, and if you mess up, mess up fast and switch, but more than likely probably either one of would have worked. So that is my pet peeve. That's why I say execution plus strategy. I hate indecision. Um, and so that's, uh, I, I do agree with that philosophy.
0: Well, there, there's some good strategy there. I mean, you think about it uh, in, in business. I mean, a lot of times, no matter how well thought out things are, as you mentioned, I mean, we're going to make mistakes. You know, a lot of us are venturing through paths that we haven't done and there's going to be mistakes on the way. And and it was taught to me that you can't focus on those mistakes. You have to focus on the successes, right? And, and, and sometimes, you know, those mistakes actually catapult you into better positions anyways, because you're going to learn from them and, and better your brand and prepare for the next one. So now, you know, Clark, with everything going on, you have COVID, you have a family, you're active with your family, you know, what are some of the things that still keep you motivated and aggressive or keep stance as a company, you know, motivated?
1: Oh man, we're, we're, I think we're super motivated right now. Um, Because it felt for a little while that you're fighting your for your survival. Like it really felt like that for the first couple months. And every good ecom day was like high fives and texts around. And so um, I don't think motivation has never been a problem for me. And um, I don't know. I just have this. I don't know if you want to say fear of losing or I really love winning. And at the end of the day, like. That's, that's what we want to do, whether it's in business or playing around the golf or um, whatever it is. So um, uh, I don't think motivation around here is, <laughs> is lacking at all um, because you, it, I, I would say it kind of woke us all up. And now that the business is turning around and um, we have kind of a, a new, I do not say a new business model, but a variation of our old business model, I think everyone's pretty focused and motivated to, to come out of this the right way.
0: And well, even as your position, I, you know, I found, you know, most companies, there has to be some sort of system in a sense that a lot of us, at least me in the past, when I started my firm, we'd take, we'd have new hires, we take them to the end of the pier, we kick them off, right? It's kind of sink or swim. And I found over the years that the more systems I have, the more processes, the better it is. But in your position as chief growth officer, right? I'm sure there's not like a playbook that you're looking through every day. And so there has to be, some motivation there has to be some creativity and so what are some of the things that you're focusing on you know to continue to expand the rolodex if you will of your network of the branding the creativity some of the things you're doing to to push that envelope
1: yeah i think it's you know we've done a lot of partnerships and i i think basically it's it's really how do you get the best outcome for the least amount of resources or those resources relation you know money for the most part and so i think for me and there's you know a couple guys on the business development team with me and as we're planning um it it just feels like the stakes are a little higher now we can't miss on one of these partnerships and we have to negotiate as hard as we can on these partnerships and so um i just think there's an increased focus on getting as much as we can for as least as we can um and it's it's kind of been refreshing to um beyond that because you know we've we've uh tried a lot of things at stand some have, a lot of work some have failed and now you just approach almost everything even my marketing spend um on digital advertising or whatever it might be you know i'm i'm keeping track of that way closer now than i was six <laughs> months ago and so i just think it's it's allowed us to refine our focus and um look broader on okay what can we do we don't have that much we don't have you know that our resources are constrained now. What's the best thing we can do for those? So I think it, it's actually increased our focus.
0: Which is good. So so let me ask you this. I mean, most of our listeners are going to know Stance. We all have Stance product. I love yep. Stance. So how I, – I know that Jeff had, had mentioned that to you when he was starting Stance. I mean, how did that idea even come into play that, hey, there's an opportunity here, you know, in the stock market, which is now expanded. Of course, you guys have expanded that, but that's where it initially started. You know, how did that come into play? You know, from the beginning.
1: So, Jeff, once Skull Candy was done, um, he was like, man, we got to figure out what's next. And so he started walking the aisles of Target and Walmart. And he would just walk down, stop at a product category, um, and just do a quick analysis in his head. Okay, hey, who are the competitors? How big is this market? And if he thought it kind of passed the initial test, he'd go and take it and do some more research. And um, he actually looked at, I think the three were jewelry, um, luggage, and school supplies. So he did like a deep dive analysis on those three before he got to the sock aisle. He's like, man, socks, no one's really thinking about socks. It's all 12 packs of Hanes, six packs of Nike, you know, 12 packs of random brand. Or if you went into a specialty store, they'd have like literally a sock bin and just random socks thrown in there. And he's he he said... This might be the last piece of apparel on your body that's not branded that nobody thinks about. And so he saw this gaping opportunity on, hey, let's let's brand some socks. And I think he got a little bit laughed at on um, a twelve dollar sock. You know, who's gonna <laughs> pay twelve dollars for a single sock?
0: For one sock. But yeah. apparently
1: a lot of people pay twelve dollars for a single sock. It's, it's it's been on this crazy run, but that's how it started. It's very thought out. And methodical and a lot of research before,
0: you know, taking the plunge. And, and how does that work? You come up with the idea that creativity, you know, and I know you mentioned you kind of joined a little bit later when Jeff's like, come on, Clark, you know, yeah. let's let's get this going. Yeah. But just from your business acumen, having been in startups, you know, when when that concept, I mean, you have to start thinking, okay, well, there's a level of quality with stance, right? That's why it's $12. I mean, yeah, there's, some, there's a lot of fashion to it, but it's also they're comfortable socks. They're good quality. They're good material. They last, right? So, you know, yeah. how do you start taking that concept, okay, now let's go to reality. Let's start figuring out manufacturing and supply chain and, you know, shipping and e-commerce and everything else that goes with it.
1: Yeah, you get, I mean, you get the right people around you. Um, the first four guys that here just had all different skill sets. And then he was also, he had a big leg up because we sold to a lot of the same retailers with Skullcandy and he started in. Stance started in only surf skate snow, you know, high-end boutique retails, retailers, you know, sneaker shops. And he would go have lunch meetings with them and he'd show them the line. What do you think this line? What do you think I could charge? And so, um, you know, there was a ton of work done before that first product hit the shelves. And you mentioned quality. They actually were supposed to launch about I think six months before stance actually did but the first shipment came in and the quality just was not what they expected from seeing in the sample. So they, is like a, you know, they, they call it, you know, one of the worst days of their lives because they were ready for this big launch and showed up and it just wasn't there. And so they kind of delayed everything and um, put it on hold to make sure that the launch was right, but get the right people around you and test as much as you can and, you know, go go strong once you get a little bit of signal that you think some, you have something that's going to work.
0: Well, I love that because there's a, you know, most of the successful businesses, you know, they either are solving pain points or they're bringing value or they're in a product niche, right, that, that people desire. And what's interesting, going back to it, because you had talked about earlier, we had talked about that, you know, A plus um, execution and B plus strategy, but this is totally different. When you look at quality, you can't sacrifice quality and it doesn't matter- Absolutely. If you're going to hit that time frame, it doesn't matter. And, and as a startup, I can only imagine if you're going to delay six months, all the money that's been invested and exactly planning, and now you're pushing that. I mean, the risk, just, just to think through that decision of, here's our product, we're not ready to launch, but you can't jeopardize the main core of your business. Yeah. We just did
1: that with masks. So when uh, COVID hit and... You know, every business was doing masks and companies were coming to us showing us their masks with with the Stance brand on it. You know, they'd rip our logo down and say, hey, you have a huge opportunity here in masks. And um, I bet we probably missed out on, I don't know, let's call it three to five million dollars from not going with that first mask. And we said, no, if we're going to do masks, we're going to do them right. And we did it with our butter blend material, which is our premium material, um, and we got lucky enough, the NBA ended up using our masks for the bubble. Um, and so we shipped them all out to those. So I've, I've had fun, you know, seeing pictures of our masks and all the NBA guys. And I actually saw on eBay last night, these masks that we were them for 20 bucks on eBay. There's an NBA stamps mask. It has two days left and it's, and it's up to $128 <laughs> right now so it's cool it's cool seeing that and you, you see that you're like yeah that's why because people know you know we do cool projects with great partners and the quality's there and everyone's like, ah, this is the most comfortable mask I've ever made and we've sold out geez i think five times um they're back for sale on tuesday i think so if you want to make some money you can buy a mask sell it on ebay for you <laughs> know <times. laughs> uh, hopefully we have enough that we can we last longer than four or five hours this time but Quality just—it's—it's it's absolutely up there, and we—we haven't—you know—we're just not willing to sacrifice that.
0: Well, it's interesting. I know you know for the sake of time, we'll get close near the end here. But you know, you think about just companies need to pivot, right? And and you talked about how okay, well, COVID hits, you know, we're, we're going to recalibrate as a company, and now let's get into mass. Let's find. You know, a different opportunity as a company continue the brand, continue the market, and I'm sure for you that's even changed your influencers. And how, because I know Stance is very active with MLB and NBA, and you go to the games, yeah. but now in the bubble there is no Clark Miyasaki sitting in the bubble to, <laughs> to see to sit courtside.
1: I did get to be on the the, the fan cam on Sunday, so <laughs> do that for the first time. You'll probably see my kids more than me, but
0: at least they're in spirit, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so
0: what's exciting and upcoming, you know, for for you, Clark, for Stance socks, you know, what are some of the things that, that you're excited about?
1: Um, you know, for Stance, it, it, this mask thing is is super exciting. Um, even though everyone has, I don't know, I probably, I don't know how many ma- different masks I have, but then when I got the Stance one, now it just drives me crazy if I forgot it at home. So, um, you're going to see a bunch of ma- different masks drops um, when we we're working with some of our you know, great partners to come up with something. And I think masks are going to be here for at least another year, probably. So that's a lot of my focus um, right now with Stance is just figuring out how to maximize that opportunity. Um, Outside of Stance, I don't know, I got four kids. So I'm looking forward to seeing them play sports again, hopefully someday soon. Um, More beach days and watching them surf and, um more days on the golf course with my buddies I don't know I'm a pretty simple man
0: <laughs> well those are good hobbies you know family golf and uh surfing you're speaking my language I like that yeah. so <laughs> that's a good thing so where can our listeners find you
1: um let's see I'm only on one social media that I actually do don't do much on but check is at Clark Miyasaki on Instagram so you, you you might see a post every like three weeks from me if you get on, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're riveted.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, and I'm sure, and and we'll tag you know Stance socks, and we'll put the website in there. So anyone listening, you know, looking at the new mass that you have coming out in socks, that's and, right.
1: Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday the 25th. Grab, that, grab them.
0: That's super exciting. Well, Clark, thanks again for making time. It's been been a pleasure having you.
1: That was fun. Thanks, Brad. We'll talk to you soon.
0: So again, just a few points to take home. You know, going back to the relationship. You know, Clark really spoke heavily about treat every relationship like it's your big break. You never know the right people you're gonna meet. You know, case in point, I look at it, there was a, you know, 2011 during the recession when we were finishing up uh, the Omni Mono Lucia and we're looking for additional work. It was a slow time, there were a lot of investors coming in town, there was a gentleman by the name of Dave Clark that came in to purchase a, a, a development that had started near downtown Phoenix and, and was abandoned. And we were invited to that bid, it was actually Spencer uh, who that works for me now, Spencer Neal, one of my project managers, he and I were invited to go bid on this project, and we met Dave. And here we are, you know, bidding for a customer. There are other GCs bidding. And through that relationship, through that cultivation of our relationship and, and camaraderie, you know, we ended up winning the project. And not only that, um, fast forward a couple of years, you know, Dave became my business partner. And really grateful for that relationship. And so you never know how these little things pl- come into play in our career and in our life so always look at you know people as you're building that relationship you know we always talk in phoenix you know it's it's the it's it's a small world in the construction industry and design industry here in town even though it's a big city everyone knows each other so make sure in your career you don't burn those bridges and he talked about authenticity you know authenticity is huge for those relationships how you build that authenticity and of course you know leveraging influencers can be great for your brand but more than anything develop that culture develop those systems and understand how to edify and give gratitude to those that are working for you and with you and that edification is key so clark big thanks to you for making time to come on and all of you that are listening it would help a lot if you please like comment and subscribe to us on our podcast means a lot thanks so much for all the support